Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis. I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, still holding on to the last vestiges of his winter wardrobe, my good buddy, executive producer, Cameron McCoy. Man, what's up with that hunter green? Come on. It's almost spring. It's true. I I, I need to get some spring colors going. <laughs> I, I need I need a blast of powder blue next time you get on, okay? I like it, yeah. Um so man, how you been? Good. Uh I'm trying to think like what's actually new in the world of magic other than just playing some arena. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about what we've been up to this week. There's a shocking amount of March of the Machines information that we're just gonna we're just gonna skim. We're doing a little skimming like we tend to do get a little flavor for the set before we dive in. I feel like less and less pressure to, quote, review the set until we know. Because sometimes, like Ikoria, I had a really good feeling, and it was wrong. Uh, you know? <laughs> um, these things happen. So, Kim, what have you been doing on the old MTG arena lately? Yeah. Uh, still diving into that mono-white standard deck, which, man, dude, I don't know what's up with that. Like, I've been putting up results and winning games outright against i mean on, like all the like the popular things esper grixis and whatnot but like even like mono red like i've been putting up like actual results uh doing really well against like poison decks red black i mean like it's just like it's this deck that on paper it doesn't feel like it should be working for me um but like I, I don't it's it's doing really really well. Um, so this is just like I said, it's um, like the Cather Commando Spirited Companion, um, mm -hmm. and then just like every sort of like you know enchantment removal spell that you can possibly put into a mono white deck, um, and then winning with like Eternal Wanderer and Wandering Emperor. Like I mean like it's just like it's just a weird unbalanced sort of deck where. You start off really early with like just enchantment removal and just it's control. It's like this this weird type of control list. You wipe everything with a farewell and then you cast your eternal wanderer and win games. It's um a weird deck. Like like I said before last week, it's the type of deck that in any other normal standard, it would just be hot garbage. Uh, but because like it's just so hyper focused against very it's like a hate deck against Grixis against wedding announcement decks that sort of thing, and it somehow does fairly well against like all these like low to the ground mono red mono green type decks as well. So I don't know. It's just it's jiving really well right now. What's the be so I haven't played I've played against this deck a lot, and I would say. I've had a better experience it with experience against it with Grixis than Esper Legends. Mm -hmm. um, but what's the bad matchup? Is there like is it just kind of like a fifty fifty five against anything? Or yeah, I, I would say you you will lose against Mono Red. Like I think that's the one that you can kind of struggle against just because it's just so fast. And if you don't find the the right removal spell right then and there, like you can you can lose. Um, Poison, like I, I feel like sometimes I don't always fully do well against like the poison deck, um, and then even though it's 
sucks. Uh, like, I feel like I lose really hard against, like, other control, like, actual control decks, like a blue-white tap-out control, or I'm sorry, like, draw-go side type of deck. That's the one where mm-hmm. they're doing something. I, I lost, I think, handedly both times against a, a blue-white control list. Um, so it exists. It's just, like, it's just in, like, this razor's edge of, like, really good against like these top performing decks and you can do 50 50 against everything else oh cool um so let's both talk about bant uh spirits because i would suspect you've played it more than me but i've got this deck together i've played it for like three or four matches so spell queller is now on the client um it's become a much more real deck like some of these pieces by the way have shown up in different random, like, I want to say Mausoleum Wanderer was in, like, a, a pack already, and mm-hmm. Rattle Chains, I think, was in Jumpstart, but you get it, right? Like, now it feels a little bit more like this is actual spirits. Um, tell me about your list, how are you feeling about the deck, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is actual spirits. Like, I, is there anything actually missing from this now from Pioneer? I can't don't think, think so. so so like and that's a really good deck in pioneer and it's a really really good deck in explorer right now um yeah it is one of those things of like you don't realize like how powerful or how important one card can be until you actually put it into the list and it's like oh man i can actually do really well against like the blue red deck now or i can do really really well against like the green black rock type deck right like i mean um i'm i'm really kind of shocked um collected company continues to be just like this amazing <laughs> card that solves all my problems <laughs> um yeah. it's the sort of deck that like it, it feels like the um oh i don't even know what i'm trying to say it feels kind of like the mono white deck in Legacy. Like this is the one that feels like it has all the answers when I need them at that moment. Um, and it's not great against all the matchups, but it has a lot of things that you can do that just gotcha. You know, as far as like um, what you're doing against your opponents. So anyway, like I've been having some really good success with this. Um, it's just great to have like this type of card. Like, all these types of cards in this format now. Um, And, man, it is... I'm going to knock on wood. It feels like... um, What was it? Not Explorer. Historic in 2019? Or 2020, I'm sorry. Before, like, everything changed with Alchemy. um, Where it's like every two months you're getting like this injection of new cards and it feels really fresh and man i want to play the rat race i want to get all the cards so i can play all the decks like really genuinely that's where i i I, this is the sort of format where it just feels like a breath of new life every two months and i love it i like how you hit me with the before the dark times before the dark times yeah before alchemy (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah with this deck so i think so I do still have some concerns about Explore Pioneer that I want to get into in a second, but I think both Bant Spirits and Phoenix exist in this space where if the hyper-unfair decks are kind of out there, you need something that can prey upon them, but also loses pretty easily to more of the go-big aggressive decks. And I would argue that Spirits and Phoenix kind of fall very neatly in that bucket. Like, 
I think the uh, matchup against green red aggro when your spirits is wretched. Like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they just play some dudes that you can't block, and then your rattle chains looks, I mean, embarrassing, right? Like, you know, you really have to tempo them out. Um, but things like Spell Queller, Lofty Denial, Selfless Spirit, uh, Mausoleum Wanderer kind of do this weird middle ground between Delver and Merfolk where it can, like, really disrupt what your opponent's doing enough to where you can, like, just get in that damage. And I would say with Spirits, it feels like there are moments where you just get there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would suspect you and I are both playing Bant because if we're just being honest with each other, a couple dudes being honest with each other, we both really like Collected Company. Um, it might be like the blue white version might be the better the curious obsession version of spirits mm-hmm. yeah. might honestly be the better way but that's also the coward's way <laughs> like I just want to you know just give me six cards off the top and let me cook you know yeah that's what collected companies about um, I've also been playing Phoenix because thing in the ice has been out but what's weird is blue red list often don't have that many thing in the ice anymore like a lot of times it's a two of because ledger shredder is the card that you need to put the mm-hmm. pressure on mm-hmm. um to actually like sift through your deck hit your opponents discard your phoenixes so it kind of jives a little bit more with the game plan however when you're playing against elves mono white angels whatever thing in the ice real handy that's a fun fact cameron <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you've bounced a lot of infect tokens with the thing in the ice before, but it is a very satisfying. <laughs> I can feeling. believe it, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been playing it, and I they kind like I've been playing a lot more Phoenix because I love that deck. Um, it is awful against Rakdos. Like I would say, borderline unwinnable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like once they combine Thoughtseize with any Exile effect or unlicensed Hurst, or I mean, just go down the list. Dampening Matrix, blah, 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 blah. You just feel completely out of your depth. Mm-hmm. But here's why you should play Phoenix. The mono green matchup is so hilariously good. <laughs> Basically, all you do is you shock variant their elf on turn one, and then they never catch up to you and you win the game. <laughs> and true. that just happens... Over and over and over again. I know they've got Ugin. Doesn't matter. I know they've got Cavalier of Thorns. Too late. Like, I, there have been times, Cameron, where I've had the counterspell and I let it resolve <laughs> because I just, need to, I just need to be able to counter a, some other spell that I'm like, I don't know that they could possibly have this, but if they like have a removal spell, that's the only way I lose, right? Mm-hmm. Block one of my stupid phoenixes. Have fun, you know? Um, But both of these have added a lot to it. I will say, though, with Explorer, I've still had a few eyebrow-raising moments where there's concern. I've lost to an aura deck on straight-up turn three. Oof. Okay. So those things can need to just be a little bit monitored, and we're in kind of that phase, right, where – if we're really serious about this being a very high-level competitive format and it really feels like, despite what's going on at your store, 
modern is not really what's on the menu for competitive play anymore. Sure, yeah. It really feels like they want to focus on Pioneer slash Explorer slash Historic and then Draft. If you're got like for all seven people that still watch competitive events. Um, but I want to just mention this, Cameron, because I was pretty negative about Shadows over Innistrad Remastered Draft. Have you drafted any of this set yet? No, I haven't. I've just been dumping wild cards. So uh, I don't know. Should I? Should I? Maybe that's a better question. Here's the thing. I had to really come to grips with the fact that it is not Shadows Over Innistrad, Eldritch Moon Draft. It's Mm -hmm. just not. But remember, I was really frustrated last week when I was like, there's just all this tribal stuff. And Delirium and Madness just don't feel... Well, all that was bonus sheet stuff from the original Innistrad. And now they're on to uh, flashback cards. So like Faithless Looting and stuff like that. And I like it better. So is that to say it's perfect? No. Is it? Does it hit my nostalgia button in the same way? Maybe not. But they've really cracked the code on how to make a draft set interesting. Yeah. Just put a theme set of cards and swap out a different theme set of cards. And that's what we need. You know, like... I don't want you to change the text on a card because that's really incredibly hard to track. But if I went to you, Cameron, and said, hey, man, instead of all the tribal or Tyrannistrad, it's all the flashback cards, Forbidden Alchemy, Faithless Looting, you'd be like, sick, okay. Sign me up, yeah. And it, yeah. And it's so much more grokkable. And then you, as a, as a user, could choose when you want to join up, right? Like, you'd be like, oh, hey. And I think it also brings, gives you more incentive to regularly draft, because what happens is you kind of find these lanes in a normal draft set, or especially one that like puts you in a place like Strixhaven where you're like, I'm always drafting lower hold or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this this kind of like adds a little jazz to the mix, and I'm into that. So I've liked it a little bit more. I am really terrible at it. Turns out the formats that I like to draft, I'm not nearly as good at as the ones I hate to draft. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me as a human being, Cameron. Mm. I feel your pain. I do. <laughs> You're like, Cameron, you might be like an unconscious, like just amazing commander player. Because <laughs> you're just so friendly and Iowa nice and everything's uh-huh. so chill and nobody ever. And then you just, oh, guys, I guess I just won. Oh, whoops. <laughs> like you might be undefeated in commander and I would never know. Very well could be. I am undefeated currently. We'll just say oh. That. Yeah. Oh, nice. Zero count is undefeated. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, it does. Uh, that's why I have yet to lose. Or I'm undefeated in rugby, Cameron. Mm. <laughs> Hold that record. Um, let's talk March of the Machines. So there's a new card type, and I think that's one thing that we really need to dig into. They are called battles okay um basically a battle is and i think this is the newest card type since sagas does that sound right yes or sagas and there were vehicles and then there were i mean what 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 were what what's the ikoria partner oh companion companion. oh jeez yeah Jeez, we have we're having a good podcast, and you had to go and bring that. <laughs> up. But those, like, I guess 
with vehicles and companions, it's like a super type, right? But this is just a straight up, a new, like, maybe the newest thing since Planeswalkers. Like, a straight up, this is a battle, mm-hmm. right? It's not an enchantment per se. It is just a, a battle. So here's how this works. Is um, I basically cast the battle and you become the protector of it. So I think the the best way of put it, explaining it is like it's giving your opponent a an enchantment that you can attack, right? So I cast uh, let's see this uh, invasion of Belanon. Okay, you can tell I'm a real lore guy because I totally know what that means, mm-hmm. right? When it enters the battlefield, I create a two-two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. As the siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it. You and the others can attack it which I guess means the other people in my commander pod, which is exciting. When it's defeated, exile it, then it's transformed. Once it transforms, it's uh, honor of the pure. Basically, all my creatures get plus one, plus one. So it's like me creating a challenge or a an objective, and then you're the guy that has to stop me from achieving that objective. So I can attack it down. Like this one I just uh, got, like, red, comes in with five loyalty, um... Not loyalty, defense. Mm-hmm. And then I can attack it to get the benefit. Um, I, I this isn't terrible. I don't want to like sound ridiculous. Sure. But I am I terrible for think, thinking this is really uninteresting. Um, no. I'm going to say, as a guy who goes to several tournaments and really struggles hitting that 50-minute mark on my tournaments <laughs> and ending up you said going... That. I didn't say that. You said that. Yeah, one, one, and one. I don't know how many times. Um, Cameron, you're forgetting about the time you went one, one, and three. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Anytime... You extend the length of the game or just add another thing that's really all is there is just to pad out like what's happening. I, I don't care how good of a benefit. Maybe there's going to be a busted great card and this is like legacy vintage playable. Cool. But this just seems like something that's on the battlefield that is delaying me from doing the thing that I should be doing, which is winning the game. This seems like a distraction in a way that a planeswalker doesn't. Um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I guess, I guess on the baseline, I I, sh- I would say I'm fine with something f- feeling like it is for limited or multiplayer only. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems impossible to be functional in standard or god forbid pioneer modern like it just seems crazy and someone who knows commander better than me would have to explain to me like is this actually good in commander because my understanding of that format is it can get quite high powered um so like but i guess you know you get into the politics of someone else attacks it and then they get the the trigger or whatever i can tell your your eyes are uh <laughs> lit up with excitement yeah um so I'm willing to give this a try, but once I understood it, I just thought, I don't know, man. And 
look, sagas, I think, which would be the last kind of type that we've experienced, have been such a home run. Mm -hmm. Like, I love sagas. And uh, this is, I don't know, it's just completely uninteresting. And Companions, I would have to go back and listen to, but man, it felt like we kind of knew very soon, if not immediately Mm -hmm. when they were spoiled, that they were going to be absurdly busted. Yeah. It's a free card. Uh, so you have an eight-card deck. <laughs> I mean, we can go on and on, on, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here, I want to just go over. Let's just read a couple of these, Cameron, because mm-hmm. we're kind of getting a little lengthy today. Which one are you feeling like? I got some interesting spoilers I posted. We're going to play Spoiler Roulette. Yeah. Grab one, read it, oh, go man. for it. Uh, well, I think we should talk about Alish Norn. Um, yeah. It is, like, very interesting. So uh, two colorless, white, white, legendary Phyrexian. Vigilance, whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source controller loses two life unless they pay one. And then uh, pay two and a white, sacrifice three other creatures, exile El Schnorn, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under its owner's control. Activate is only a sorcery. And then it has essentially another saga, which is like incubate two five times, then transform all incubator tokens you control. Uh, and then on the second one, creatures you control get a plus one, plus one, and gain double strike until end of turn. Destroy all permanents except for artifact lands and Phyaxians, and then exile, and then it re- comes back into play. So uh, if you are flipping that again, it feels like you're doing something wrong because all of that saga stuff seems very, very good. Plus one on your incubator tokens with double strike is really good. But dude, just a creature that can just sit there, if there's any sort of like exile effect, is the only thing that's going to do something where your opponent's not losing life or paying and spending resources. So just for four, having a 3-5 body that just kind of sits there and nets you advantage uh, seems really, really good. Um, I, I, I like that card in that sense. Yeah, this so an incubator token. So incubate is uh, creating an incubator token with X plus one plus one counters on it, and it has two colon transform this artifact into uh, artifact creature, Phyrexian artifact creature. So basically, you make five eggs with two <laughs> two counters on them. Yeah, and for two mana, they become two twos, right? Um, and then like you can kind of go from there, right? Uh, but this, but this, the saga lets you transform them before, like, so you would basically get it for free. So you should, to your point, probably should be winning the game. Also, how do you beat this unlimited, Cameron? Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> you lose it kind of on the spot. So I feel like you're going to play this in your mono white deck. This is I'm looking at ways to put this in there already. Yeah. Like, what is the four drop in that deck? Is there one? I don't know. But just, like, I mean, this effectively makes, like, the Cat Oven deck unplayable. You know? <laughs> like, Do you put this yeah. in, like, I, I mean, like, if we're going, like, real, um, do you just have this in Storm? Uh, against, like, your Storm opponent, you know? Like, I, just there's so many things where... Sure, lose two life or have to pay the resources. It seems really good. 
So, and then Shieldred, you would both be losing two life, right? Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's not nothing. No, that's <laughs> not nothing. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so, I'll just, I'll just do Ren the Realm Breaker real quick, okay? Um, I actually, I accidentally typoed or auto-corrected this and it said Ren the Real Breaker. I like that a little <laughs> bit better. So uh, this is another Ren Planeswalker, one green green. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color. Right. So that's not a bonus, that's just they become uh, painless cities of brass, right? Plus one, up to, and it comes in with four loyalty. Plus one, up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 three, three elemental creature with vigilance, hexproof, haste until your next turn. Minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card from among the mill cards in your hand. Minus seven. You get an emblem. If you get an emblem with, you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. Um, this card is already very expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm looking at the basic version, and it's showing up as sixty dollars. Wow. Um, this also feels like something that has um real value in. Mono green devotion, uh, you know, just theoretically, this is not terrible in legacy lands. Like the spell, the the casting cost kind of works out for you to be able to play it, right? Like, whereas some of these other bigger expensive stuff in legacy, like, is is harder to do. What do you think of this thing? Yeah, like uh, we have power creep with creatures, and now we have power creep with uh, planeswalkers because uh, <laughs> three mana. All lands are now like, yeah, as you said, City of Brass, Painless. And then you're able to just have a 3-3 three, three Elemental Haste, Vigilance, and Hexproof. And so like all of a sudden it's like incredibly powerful. Like the value you're getting out of just something like this compared to um, the last Nissa card. Um, not the last Nissa, but... Um, I can't uh, the five mana Nissa. Yeah, the five mana yes. Nissa that is incredibly good and was you know breaking standard then. Um, this just feels like a more powerful version, just because it's three less and the the creature is hexproof as well. Um, on top of just putting something into your hand if you need to. So this is a very good card, and like that sixty dollars feels like that's probably right on par. Um, the Ren cards still continue to be these, like, head-scratchers to me. Yeah, I would say, like, also worth pointing out that the plus one, the the land is a creature through their entire turn. Mm -hmm. So you can really set up a defense that's um, pretty stout. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I mean, just getting through that in some of these older formats would be tough. Um, and, and in the meantime, like, it shuts, like... I'm just thinking of it from the perspective of lands, which I'm not sure is even a good legacy deck any longer, mm -hmm. right? Um, but there's just a lot of utility built within this card. So anyway, we'll talk about these other stuff, like these partner cards. Thalia and the Gitrog monster, I think, is a very bizarre but interesting thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get out of the segment, Cameron, and come back and we'll talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so... Let's talk TV a little bit. There's Mandalorian. There's um, Succession. There's mm -hmm. Ted Lasso. I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso guy. We put it on. Uh, yeah. 
You put it on. <laughs> I don't. No, let's dig into that. Like, uh, what? Where are you at on on the old Ted Lasso? Is it just not a? Uh, is uh, it a little too? It's one of these shows that I find fine. I think it's, you, you know, it's it's whatever. I, I enjoy watching it, but I have like some coworkers and other people who just adore this and think it is the greatest TV show of all time. And I'm like, whoa, it's fine. It's it's like whatever. So I've I've really I, and to the point now where so many people who are wax poetic about that show so much, I want to be just that counterweight to say, uh, uh-uh, uh, it it's fine. It's it's not bad. I've enjoyed my time with it, but it's not the greatest gift that we've ever had on TV. <laughs> so, like how you feel about Ted Lasso is how I feel about American Office. Okay. Yeah. I really don't get it, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm not trying to yuck anyone's. I would say I like Ted Lasso more than you. Mm-hmm. But I also I understand the kind of saccharine nature of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would also say that there's there's a not not how you're talking about it, but there is a certain undertone of like the TV critical discourse that is, if you like Ted Lasso, you must be a moron kind of thing. Mm. And it kind of falls into that, like, you know, the same kind of thing of, like, if something is unbelievably, like, almost comically grim, dark, and depressing, it is tends to be more critically praised than if something is, you yeah. know, the other way, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, what was it, 21 Grams? What, there's some movies out there that are just like um, like to the point of absurdity, trying so hard to be dark. And it just kind of like, I don't know, it doesn't land with me. Um, like Ted Lasso, I would suspect if I were a big soccer guy, I would probably like it less because one of the main yeah. things about the show is that there's kind of a guy who knows nothing about soccer and he's just like doing just fine at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of rough. Uh, Mandalorian, I think, has had some real highs and lows. I don't. We could talk about. We that. haven't watched. It. I I haven't started it yet, so it's there. I'll check it out at some point when Andor season two comes out. But what I really want to talk about, Cameron, is Succession. We talked about it off air. You and I are both now all in. It's the final season. Mm-hmm. How would you elevator pitch someone into getting into Succession? Oh my gosh, I I need to know the person honestly because. Uh, do you like crass language? Do you like just seeing people's like egos be shredded in front of them? Uh, if you do like that stuff, I have the show for you, and it is Succession. Um, no, dude, I I've been thoroughly enjoying Succession season four. Are we on four already? Wow. It's, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, this show continues like to just be like like on a trajectory that. Um, I thoroughly appreciate uh it took it a while for it to like kind of find its footing I would say like I wasn't like totally into that first season but by the second season some of the character dynamics they really like the writers really locked in on like okay these are the two characters that need to be together in every scene the on at Greg least one and Tom. episode Greg and Tom right um you know uh yeah and just I I really I have never felt so conflicted in wanting to both root for and be disgusted with like Kendall 
uh, like I have like the way that he is able to separate my brain is marvelous. Like I find that just to be super awesome. Um, in the first episode from this week or last week was just like really all on nines. I, I just felt like the writers were doing the work. Um, the actors were doing their work. It, it was well directed. Um, and I, I, whatever, I guess whatever they're planting for the season finale or series finale now, um, I'm in it, I'm in for it and it's, uh, it's great. So thoroughly enjoy the show, man. Yeah. The, and, and like the amount of care and thought that goes into just the smallest sub stories. Um, there is a, an eldest brother that no one takes seriously <laughs> And there's a sub story with him getting married that maybe gets 30 seconds every episode. I mean, we're talking a real salt dash of that story. And every time it's pure gold, it's (laughs) pure gold. And I don't know. There's just something about it that really is about taking apart the mythology of if someone's wealthy, then they must also be brilliant. You know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it. I mean, it attacks that really, you know, full fang. And, um, I, you know, I always said I was concerned about like people would watch the show and maybe not get the, you know, kind of the criticism, like the what it's trying to send up or criticize. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that would be impossible at this point, <laughs> um, because it is so obvious. Yeah, that these are terrible people right when the the three kids are like just throwing billions billions with a b around like it's just like splitting change Uh, and like they don't even like recognize like what they're saying you know like this is like the the negotiations are like some countries' budgets (laughs) yeah like that's oh man just so good like they're just so they're such idiots and yeah, like you said, like this kind of positing this question of like, no, these billionaires, some of them are just lucky, nepotism, you know, and aren't smart at all. And let's just like deconstruct that. And it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. And more than one parallel to the real world. Like there's Ooh. there's a lot of storylines where you're like, oh, that is yeah. that is this story or this thing. Right. Um, last thing I want to mention. um, just in case you're looking for a good kind of um, slow-paced listen, I don't know if you've listened to the new short album by Manchester Orchestra, uh, but apparently it's also tied with a VR experience. Um, but it's a I really enjoyed it. Um, okay. It is very. If you're more into the sad spectrum, you, you're 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 a Ted Lasso hater. The uh, new Manchester Manchester Orchestra is some sad indie music, and that might be your speed. I'm I'm there for it. <laughs> All right, Cameron. If someone would like to share with you their saddest indie music, where could they find you? That's on Cam- uh, Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>